0: Hey Gunjan, did you catch Sundar Pichai's speech at the Google I.O. conference? He wasn't very subtle about something, right?
1: Oh yes, AI. AI, AI, generative AI. 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 AI, AI. (laughs) Guess how many times he actually called out AI on stage? Maybe about 50 times too less, I think. <laughs> Say it 100 times a little too less.
0: Alright folks, uh, I'm Roshan Karyapa. This is the startup operator Roundup. Roundup number 110. One, yes, that's right. The 110th Roundup. And we have Gunjan Saha as well joining me on this Roundup. Gunjan, what are we going to talk about today? Hi
1: guys. So in this week's Roundup, Roshan and I will be talking about the various corrections and valuations that's been happening for a lot of Unicorn and Sunicorn companies in the country. Along with that, we'll also try to understand why are a lot of startups that had based its headquarters in other countries planning to relocate back in India. That aside, Microsoft has announced that it's entering into a partnership with a company called Helion that specializes in fusion power generation. And of course, uh, the biggest topic of last week will cover some of the biggest highlights from Google's 2023 I.O. conference. So that and a lot more coming up in this week's roundup, so stay tuned.
0: So, if you're joining us for the first time, we bring you the news and events from the Indian startup ecosystem every week. We also feature some of the best founders, operators and investors in the Indian ecosystem. uh, So, you can learn from all of their wisdom and experience. So, that's the startup operator for you. Follow and subscribe to us on your favorite platform to stay updated. All right, Gunjan, let's jump in.
1: Let's jump in. So, uh, Rosh, and last week we saw a lot of valuations get corrected, right? And of course, that has been the trend we have been seeing in the past few months. And this included the likes of Baiju, Swiggy, Ola, Oyo, etc. And most recently, US-based investment research firm, Newberger Berman has marked on the valuations of two Indian companies. One is fintech firm Pine Labs and the other one, uh, FarmEasy, which is a medtech company. And their valuations were slashed by 39 and 21.6% respectively. And it's not only this, even Oyo saw its valuation being slashed, right? And these are all companies that were planning their IPOs, I think, last year, right? And I think we all did expect that a valuation correction will take place. But what do you think? I mean, as a company, what would the sentiments be like?
0: Uh, Well, it's uh, a taste of reality, you know. Uh, A lot of the uh, IPOs that happened uh, in 2021... Uh, you know, the investors had led around at some X valuation, maybe like six months, seven months leading up to the IPO. And then instantly that valuation became 2X or 3X, right? Uh, in the public markets. And uh, the IPO market is ruthless, right? I mean, uh, the, the public markets anywhere uh, imputes a sense of discipline in people. Uh, and you've seen since the market has turned that uh, these valuations have drastically corrected, right? I mean, you know, uh, Paytm had listed at some bizarre valuation, right? Now, close to $20 billion or something. And today it's trading at 5 or $6 billion. And, and I've said that it's still on the higher side, right? And perhaps could correct further, even though they've done very well uh, since, right? With their earnings and whatnot. And this is just the sobering truth of the markets, right? I mean, it, it never is as irrationally optimistic as it was in 2021. There isn't as much liquidity. There isn't as much, you know, cash in the market. So this was bound to happen, you know, and uh, uh, from an investor standpoint, you know, if a particular startup was, uh, uh, you know, interesting and investable at, uh, you know, the valuations in 2021, you must be having a feast day right now, right? With all of the slash in valuations. So they're just coming in and acquiring more of the company for cheaper at this point and also prepping for the IPO, you know, whenever the IPO market returns, I, I don't expect it, to, you know, sometime this year, maybe perhaps uh, next year or so. Uh, whenever you know pharmacy or oyo or the others uh, list in the markets it'll be an interesting time but uh, yeah this was this was just bound to happen
1: okay and i'm sure you're also talking to a lot of founders across the country right what are some of the lessons which you think uh, the founders are like now trying to pass on to the ecosystem or what are the, their biggest takeaways
0: so i was speaking to a founder just last week right and uh, you know the both of us kind of agreed that somewhere over the last 2 or 3 years this whole business building and startups, you know, it it became very corrupted, right? I mean, we lost sense of, you know, revenue, profits, profits especially, right? And sustainable growth and things to that effect. And uh, it's been a lesson for us, right? That uh, you need to focus on the fundamentals and companies do have to turn over a, a dollar in profits at some point of time, right? I mean, you can't just like optimize for the next round and the round after that. So I think overall, you know, the, the better founders who have been prudent all along are at a more advantageous position at this point of time because they have more optionality, right? They're more in control of their destiny. They have more runway, right? And their viewpoint has sort of won, right? Because otherwise in 2021, uh, you you could just uh, look very stupid, If, uh, you know, you were trying to conserve cash and if you were not trying to, you know, buy customers helter-skelter, not spending shit ton of money on marketing or whatever, you would look like, uh, you know, one of those conservative people, right? But, uh, you know, as I said, markets don't always remain optimistic, right? The market is turned and uh, this is a very important lesson to always focus on the fundamentals. You know, this also
1: uh, reminds me of the scene from Silicon Valley, right? Uh, When the guy goes uh, to raise funds and he's being offered more money than he needs. And what that means that there's just more pressure on you to reach those, um, you know, forecast numbers.
0: Absolutely. I mean, at some point, you know, your revenue has to justify the valuations, Right. Um, yeah, and my favorite scene in the, the Silicon Valley series, the entire series, which is phenomenal, really. I mean, there's just, Mike Judge is, I think, a, a genius, is that part where there's this other Series A, a Series B founder who is, the you know, shutting shop. Bar, yeah. uh, and he meets, uh, you know, Richard at the bar. And he he says, I could have taken less, you know. Yeah, That's
1: so surprising. <laughs> so surprising, To know that you right? can ask the investor yeah. for less money.
0: Yeah, but this is all a lesson. You know, I always say that, you know this whole process of creative destruction right i'm not saying there are no negatives to it obviously you know you know people who perhaps deserve the money more perhaps didn't get it and those sectors and domains uh, and spaces may be like you know shut off from you know funding for a while right because of all the horror stories that happened due to the excesses Uh, but it's a process of creative destruction i think uh, we will be smarter wiser hopefully right in the next cycle and uh, better startups will come out of this
1: Okay, um, moving on to the next topic. A lot of uh, Indian startups that had their headquarters abroad are now considering to shift it back to India. Now, with easy access to capital and changes in rules to you know make funding more uh, accessible, and the growing majority of India's capital markets, startups operating in India are exploring a reverse flipping or shifting domicile from abroad to back to the country. Some of the companies that have shown interest in doing so include uh, pay. Uh, they've decided to uh, move their domicile in India after paying a billion dollars in tax.
0: Holy shit.
1: Other companies such as Razorpay, Grow and Pine Labs are also expressed interest in doing the same. Now, of course, the International Financial Services Centre Authority or the IFSCA has set up an expert committee to identify a roadmap to encourage Indian fintech startups domiciled abroad to relocate to India, specifically to the International Financial Service Centre, IFSC, in Gift City, Gujarat. So I want to understand two things from you. One is why did startups consider listing outside the country? And the second question is what changed? Why is the right time for them to come So typically
0: startups would flip their uh, domicile status to Singapore or the US uh, to avoid the capital gains tax, Right. Uh, which would apply anytime you transferred shares and so on. So a lot of SaaS companies, a lot of, you know, consumer tech companies as well had done this in the past in order for them to, uh, you know, take in funding from, you know, people like Y Combinator, for example, institutions like Y Combinator, in fact, required startups to flip their domicile status, right? And you're seeing a reversal of that at this point of time, not because, you know, the taxes have uh, ceased or something of that sort, but... uh, There are a few different reasons, right? One is obviously regulation, right? Uh, Fintechs especially will be subject to all of this data localization and so on and so forth, uh, right? And I'm sure that the regulation and compliance will apply uh, tremendously for foreign entities a lot more than for Indian entities, right? So it makes sense for these folks to shift back. And second, I think there is also a sense that, you know, at a time when the IPO market returns it might be easier to raise that money from Indian investors, uh, Indian public market investors than, you know, raise it from abroad, right? Because, again, the Indian markets have been relatively less affected uh, compared to the, the US folks, right? So companies in the past, I mean, whether it was, uh, you know, Make My Trip or whoever else have listed on NASDAQ earlier, I'm talking about 10, 15 years back. But the Indian IPO market is now an option for uh, uh, companies, right? And, uh, in fact, I would say the the single biggest positive that perhaps came out of this whole 2021 boom was the fact that IPO markets was an option for uh, Indian uh, uh, startups, right? So those are two reasons they're flipping back. And um, it's an interesting movement that you're seeing, right? And hopefully, you know, the tax laws become a little more amenable, right? And people don't have to pay a billion dollars, you know, maybe they could do less, uh, what I'm hearing and what I read is that it takes anywhere between 100 to $200 million for them to do this whole flip. I'm talking about a mature startup, perhaps a unicorn, etc., which is really, really expensive, uh, right? So, hopefully, you know, the authorities take note of this and ease the regulation and compliance on that front. Because, you know, having an Indian domicile com- uh, company will be amazing for us,
1: yeah. I think there's another, like, aspect towards this is on, on the IPO front, right, I think a lot more people in the country have started recognizing, okay, you know, there's a whole industry for startups itself. For example, if you were to ask this, if a startup was going IPO in India, let's say 10 years back, I don't know whether my family would be interested in investing in a company. They would have their fair share of Questions and doubts. But right now, startups are part of day-to-day conversations
0: in India. No, startups are mainstream, right? Uh, Speaking of, I mean, I got an IPO allocation last week. Thankfully, after uh, God knows how long. Uh, First, good one, right? I mean, uh, infamously, (laughs) I did invest in LIC and lost about 30% of my cash. But uh, yeah, I mean, mankind, mankind pharma, you know. I mean, so I perhaps owe... Oh, the listeners are party at some point. <laughs> I mean, people have heard my sad story maybe one too many times. So but the
1: comment section must be flooding right now. <laughs> anyway.
0: So, yeah, I mean, uh, that that's absolutely true. You know, I mean, startups are mainstream. Uh, you know, the likes of Swiggy and Zomato and so on are, you know, are everywhere. Tier 1, Tier 2, cities, etc. So, yeah, I mean, it is viable. So But I do feel that the IPO market will take time to return.
1: Okay um, let's talk about something that's been happening in a very niche sector which is in power generation a uh, private US nuclear fusion company helion energy will provide microsoft with electricity in about 5 years time now why is this special is because this is the first time a commercial agreement has been signed for fusion power as of today fusion power is still in its experimental stage and uh, most nuclear plants are powered by fission reaction if fusion power becomes mainstream i think that will be One of the biggest solutions to reversing climate change. And unlike today's fission reactors, fusion could generate power without producing any long-lasting radioactive waste. And this deal between Helion Energy and Microsoft is the first of its kind. And very soon we'll have a power source similar to that of the Sun on Earth.
0: This is phenomenal actually. I mean, it's uh, perhaps the news of the week, news of the year. Uh, really, you know, if the hype is supposed to be believed, right? Because again, nuclear fusion for energy is something that uh, you know people have been trying since the 40s, 1940s, right? And uh, in very simple terms, you smash a bunch of atoms together uh, that are sufficiently dense and sufficiently hot, and then you create this source of energy that is, you know, perennial, right? I mean, that's the that's the way the sun basically works, right? I mean, that's how it produces energy. Uh, and there are a bunch of uh, nuclear fusion startups in the valley that are, you know, interestingly solving this problem, right? And, and that's another, you know, just to take a tangent, right? I mean, people often say, hey, venture capital chases frivolous things like, you know, consumer tech and something that, you know, problems that really, you know, third order, fourth order problems that doesn't really apply to anyone, doesn't change the world, etc., right? But I've always believed that capital will chase the most pressing problems, gradually right i mean uh, so you know the fact that you know fusion startups are getting funded is very promising right i mean uh, the other thing also to note is because of ai some of the iteration cycles for these hardware for these core science startups will come down right i yeah, mean yeah, not
1: only AI, i think there's a lot of 3d that printing made even like quantum computing
0: quantum computing 3D, uh, 3d printing and so on right i mean Uh, look at the bunch of space tech startups that, uh, you know, we spoke about. They're able to iterate faster because the technology has caught up. So, yeah, this is very, very interesting, you know, and uh, 50 megawatts is, of course, a lot of power, right? And this is interesting. I mean, I really hope that, you know, for humanity's sake, that we're able to invent this source of energy, you know, because I, I feel like for the last 20, 30 years, I mean, we've all put the snooze button on nuclear energy as such, right? I mean, there was this Fukushima d- disaster that happened some time back and everyone just pressed pause on uh, nuclear for energy. But I personally feel that's the most viable, sustainable solution for climate change, the energy crisis and whatnot, right? Uh, and this is a point of view that's shared by a lot of uh, tech folks, especially, right? So Elon Musk and others, Balaji Shinovason...
1: difference here, right, between the way nuclear power is generated today, which is through uh, fission, right? Now, that... But there are very few
0: plants operating, you know, I mean, in the the US especially, I mean, they've clamped down massive regulations on, uh, you know, uh, setting up all these plants and so on. So, there are massive disincentives for people to start up on that. So, let's see, I mean, this is a very positive change and it's climate change, sustainability is the problem to solve uh, at this point of time, so... Yeah.
1: So in contrast to that, if you look at the regulations in India, I'm not talking in terms of nuclear power, but in renewable energy in general, right? With uh, recent changes in the laws and regulations, look at the number of solar power plants that have propped up the Look at the, the
0: people who have decided to invest, right? Ambani, Adani, all of these folks are, you know, putting money in uh, green energy, right? And we've also fairly diversified on that front, right? I mean, green hydrogen, for example. So the government is very serious about this, you know, net zero by 2070 mission, and is offering a reasonable amount of incentives for people to innovate on that front. Uh, it's just one one of those other curves that we're just going to, you know, accelerate and take a head start compared to more of you know compared to more of the developing nations. I feel.
1: Okay, another big headline from last week was, of course, the Google I.O. conference of 2023. right? The this AI conference. The AI conference. Now, Google hosts this uh, conference annually, and this is a way for them to connect with the developer ecosystem. And in this year's edition, they announced a host of new products and features in, its, uh, in the event. Of course, there are a lot of updates right from Android to the launching of the new Pixel phone, the Pixel tablet, the smart speakers... But for me, there were some misses as well. One aspect of this conference was, again, Google's focus on safeguarding user privacy. And this has somehow just become a trend right now. Google said that it's making it, making updates to Android 14 to boost transparency about how users' data is handled by third parties. Starting with location data, users will now be informed in permission requests when an app shares the information with third parties for advertising purposes. Another aspect of the whole consumer-focused uh, update was its announcements for Magic Editor for Google Photos, mm-hmm. through which you can automatically remove a subject or extend a photograph. If a section is being cropped out, using generative AI, you can extend yeah, that yeah, frame. Yeah, Personally, for me, all, nothing, none of these features felt new. Because if you look at it, Magic Editor is similar to the basic phone app in an iPhone. Where you lighten the photograph, adjust the balances and everything. It's an
0: interesting point. I think Google is, you know, playing catch up, basically, right? And it's sad because Sundar is a phenomenal product guy, right? I mean, he's the guy who basically uh, drove Chrome for uh, Google, right? But it just tells you that large organizations build up bloat and it becomes very difficult to ship, uh, right? And especially in the talk of the town section, I mean, we will talk, talk about this specific aspect, right? On smaller startups versus larger companies and so on. But, uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, they've done uh, some, some, I mean, I've seen some recent developments on the Bard AI, which are, you know, very promising. People it seem to be very optimistic. Uh-huh.
1: I think the, one of the biggest announcements related to Bard AI was that it has a dark theme.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Talking about Fundraise announcements from last week, it was kind of a mute seven days, but it still did have two key transactions. One is by Rippler, which is a distribution and logistics platform. They raised $40 million. And then there's Zingo Mobility, which is a logistics startup that raised $5 million. But the biggest fundraise is not by a startup, but rather by a venture capital firm called 314. They raised $200 million to back new startups across sectors, including consumer, fintech, SaaS, and digital health. Around 50% of the capital has come from Indian banks and mutual fund companies. And the, the 3, 314 will formally close the fund by the end of the ongoing quarter.
0: We've hosted Anurag Ramdasan, who is a partner at 314 uh, quite some time back. Maybe 20, two years back, 20. I think. Yeah. We've hosted him on the podcast. And uh, 314 has an interesting portfolio, right? I mean, they did invest in companies like Pocket Aces, Licious, I suppose, right? A I bunch think of, uh,
1: 314 is an investor in Rippler as well.
0: Rippler also. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, interesting. I mean, you know, every week we're talking, I don't know about the startups raising funds, right? I mean, we're, we're seeing funds raise more funds, right? VCs are raising a lot more cash. Uh, let's hope that, you know, this money comes into the market sooner than later. Yeah.
1: Okay, moving on to the talk of town section, you slightly touched upon this. Uh, this tweet is by Jason Fried. He's a founder and CEO at 37signals, which is a maker of Basecams. And he tweets, what do they got? A big team, lots of money, a strong brand, seemingly unlimited resources, panache, reputation, all that, they're established. And then he contrasts this with relatively new age startups. What do they have? They have hunger, drive, grit, scrappiness, independence, and are on the offense. We were just discussing about Google playing catch up, right? And at one point, Google was this company that could make whatever they wanted. Yeah. So um, that's a yeah, good... A, good uh, yeah,
0: this tweet really, really hit home, right? I think Jason, by the way, is a, is a real OG, you know, 37 Signals and Basecamp, uh, you know, really showed how software businesses could be bootstrapped. Uh, they wrote the book on uh, remote work, you know, well before remote as well, right? Fantastic company, for sure. Uh, and they've been added for 20 plus years now, right? I mean, uh, so yeah, one of the early OGs, I would say. Uh, And this tweet is important because it's a helpful reminder to people on how small need not be a handicap. You think, you imagine that a company like Google, Microsoft, etc. will have infinite resources, infinite number of people, money, time, everything, right? To build the most innovative products. But that often is not the case. That scale brings with it its own sense of complexity, right? I mean, um, you know a billion dollar more business, uh, yeah more processes and even the on the market cap, right, I mean Google is not interested in a business that is like a billion dollar market cap, right, maybe two billion dollar market cap, it won't really significantly add anything to them, okay. right, uh, whereas I mean as a startup, hey you couldn't care about that, you know, so it's, it's a very important reminder uh, on all of the advantages of being small and scrappy and resourceful uh, as a startup, so yeah, definitely follow Jason as well on Twitter.
1: Yeah, and of course, who does not like a good underdog story? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, Roshan, before we wrap up the episode, can you tell us what conversations we'll be putting out this week? Uh,
0: so, this week we'll be publishing uh, my conversation with Ankit and Siddhant of Step Change. Uh, they're a sustainability company. They're helping, uh, you know. Large enterprises uh, become carbon neutral, uh, or understand the carbon cost of their decisions, and so on. Very interesting startup. Very interesting. We've not hosted too many uh, people on the uh, working on sustainability, and as I said, it's the problem to solve right now. So I'm pretty excited about how uh, you guys will respond to that. Uh, speaking of, I mean, we've uh, we've had phenomenal response to the Ambi episode we put out last week. People have said that you know slightly different from uh, uh, the other conversations I've had, uh, right? Where you know Spoke about Jiddu Krishnamurti and uh, you know some philosophy and whatnot. Yeah, I mean that's just I I suppose a a function of you know having in-person conversations. They're a lot more real. They're a lot more unscripted. Um, They seem to go off in different tangents, and I suppose that will sort of be the flavor going forward. Also, I hope you guys like it. Keep your comments and feedback coming in. We definitely take those very seriously.
1: So one thing I I want to add about the Ambi episode, right? And that's one of my top five uh, podcasts from from startup operator. One thing that really hit home for me is that while there's a Western philosophy of building a company and scaling a startup, there's also an Eastern philosophy. Oh, for sure. right? And yeah. the way Ambi has built, uh, goes in, I think it's a strong testament towards yeah. that.
0: See, India, we call it the informal economy and so on and so forth, right? But… Essentially, Indians always had entrepreneurship in some form or fashion, right? I mean, we always were traders, inventors, builders, yeah, as such. Sort of jugards. Absolutely, absolutely. So this whole uh, you know employment as such is a is relatively a modern phenomena in that sense. So yeah, I mean, it was it was a great episode, and I'm glad you guys liked it. Also,
1: folks, uh, it's easier for you to send messages to us. The messages are enabled on Spotify. You'll see there's a reply option over there. So please do keep your amazing comments coming in, and as well as let us know how what would you want us to talk about and who would you like us to feature on the show.
0: And speaking of Spotify, please do rate us on Spotify and Apple. Uh, it really helps more people discover our podcast and uh, we'll really be very grateful for you. <laughs> All right, folks, so
1: that's it for the 110th roundup. Next week, we'll be back again with more, even more exciting headlines on the Indian startup ecosystem. So stay tuned and have a great week ahead.
0: All right, guys. Cheers.